This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What have we learned, Josh, in our, in our brief exposure to him other than the fact that you can have the worst inning of your life uh, <laughs> as you put it Jay's uniform on and gave up 11 homers <laughs> well only two homers but he did give up nine runs he needs to find another job he really does I'm not mad at him he just needs to go away <laughs> And welcome to episode number 70 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we've secretly replaced everyone with Ryan Goins, and nobody noticed. I am your host, Ryan Goins, and I am joined this week by Ryan Goins, <laughs> and our third man in the booth, Ryan Goins. How's it going, Ryan? It's going good, Ryan. Ryan, how is it? Hi, Ryans. I'm good, too. That's not true at all. Of course, I'm joined by Josh Hausam and Nick Dyka, uh, where we will have an opportunity to discuss the wild card uh, Estrada being <gasps> claimed on waivers. Uh, Bautista having a bit of a, a good streak. Um, Marcus Stroman keeping on rolling. Uh, we've seen Rob Refsnyder. What have we learned? Uh, we've seen Ryan Goins get stepped on, which will give him an opportunity to come by and pick up a gold star if he wants to, which we'll get into later. Uh, got a catcher back. We've said goodbye to J.P. Howell and Mike Ullman, and we're going to see some other uh, other people maybe come back. We'll, we'll touch on those possibly returning from injury. We have your questions, and we have not one, but two gold stars, which I've already given away. One is involving Ryan. Um, <laughs> okay, I've said Ryan Goins more than I'd care to in any one podcast. Josh, the wild card. Is, is there a reason they call it the wild card being illustrated at this point in the season? Uh, <laughs> I don't think you could put it better than that. I was giving the similar kind of joke. There are now, because the Jays just finished winning their game, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams within three and a half games of a wild card spot, including the two at the top. Nine. Uh, and now, what? Four of the five of those teams are at or below five hundred. Toronto. Four of them. Toronto, Baltimore, Texas, Tampa Bay. Oh, and Seattle. At or and below, Seattle yes. Because Seattle's 500, yes. How is the American League this bad, Nick? <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't this bad last year. Um, the the Jays would be well <laughs> well out of it if, uh, yeah, if this was anything like 2016. But, um, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of teams in the AL that just – they. I, I think the biggest uh, through between all the teams or the thing that the thread that ties them is there's not much pitching. All the teams seem to all the teams ahead of the Jays like are really struggling. If if you go on any of the roster depth chart sites and look at these teams' rotations, they're all pretty uh, pretty less than ideal. Is that the problem, Josh? Do you think? 
I think that's part of it, but I also think it's just a lot of it's just some of these teams have just been brutalized by injuries. But I mean, if you think about it, like the teams ahead of the Blue Jays right now, Baltimore, Texas, Tampa, <laughs> Seattle, the Twins, the Royals, and the Angels, there's some teams that you'd think would be this bad and are, but then you get teams like Texas, Toronto, and even potentially Tampa that expected to be a lot better and have just either been hurt or seriously underperformed. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I think, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think Texas, because actually, uh, Josh, as a heads up, I, I was, as Josh is my editor-in-chief at uh, BP Toronto, and I'm going to be sending him a, a wildcard piece tomorrow. But, um, yeah, Texas has the the best expected winning percentage, I think, of any of the, the teams in, in the wildcard race. But the thing with Texas is they kind of already waved the white flag when they traded you Darvish. And so e- even if, like, Texas and Tampa are are the two best teams. I feel like they've kind of they've kind of got a, a tough slog ahead of them, just given that like well, they everybody have been has, decimated. But at, at that's the point. All these teams have problems, and so it's going to be just an ugly finish. I think that's kind of the way to, way to sum it. Well, what, what's absurd to me is that the two teams that that did trade away significant assets, the, the Jays and Texas, it didn't make any difference. They're still where they were. <laughs> It's and like, the teams that picked up, like Seattle, Tampa. Didn't matter. <laughs> nope. And same, same with the Angels. The Angels are still right there. And I can't, yeah, like, don't. I, I look at the Angels and I see it. Well, I look at most of these teams and I see some deeply flawed teams. And yet, hey, playoffs could be yours. Yep. Um, which, of course, makes the Estrada waiver claim, I guess, uh, in theory, interesting uh, if especially if you're a newer fan and you don't understand anything about the August waiver, revocable waiver process. Uh, so, Josh, do you want to give people the two-minute primer on why it's not such a big deal when someone gets claimed? No, it's pretty simple, really. In August, you're still allowed to trade players. The July 31st deadline is the non-waiver deadline, but they have to clear waivers first. If they get claimed on waivers, the team has three choices. They can either let the player go, pull him back, or work out a trade with the team that claims him. So in the case of Estrada, he was claimed, as reported by our site, by the Yankees. So the Jays had 48 hours to work out a deal with the Yankees, and they're not going to do so. So he will be pulled back and stay with the team. So to clarify for people, what order do teams have an opportunity to pick that player? Because I think that kind of gets obscured. Yeah, so it's a reverse order of the standings within your league. So it would go from... Whoever's last in the American League right now, the which White I guess Sox. is the White Sox, all the way up to the Astros, and then it would go to the last place team in the National League, which is the Phillies, and then up to the Dodgers. And so by the Yankees putting the claim in, no NL team even had a chance. So sometimes team will, will claim knowing that they're never going to work that trade out, forcing another team to uh, stick to its guns supposedly so there, there is some strategy here that that is uh, not necessarily 100 percent straightforward yeah i mean nick if you'd like to weigh in on this but basically that's what the yankees did they they have no desire to trade for estrada but they didn't want houston or boston to get him. do you remember the most famous waiver uh claim that went through i in my my blue jays tenure nick um Actually, Greg, I don't know how old you are, so no. Uh, I've got what, a couple guesses. Alexis Rios? Yes, yes, that is the one. <laughs> that, yeah. that was the saddest yeah. day of my Blue Jays fandom, to be perfectly honest. 
sign sign him to a sixty million dollar contract, an extension, and then the next August, we're like, wow, you the White Sox claimed you. That's a relief. <laughs> See ya. Thank yeah, you, man. Yeah. We can't afford to yeah. pay you for the next five years. Yeah. The the one thing I'm kind of curious about with the Estrada claim is that he got all the way to the Yankees because, like kind of we were just talking about, these AL wildcard teams are, are pretty flawed. And, I mean, the Orioles traded for Jeremy Hellickson to bolster their rotation last month so you would think one of these teams would have taken a shot at at claiming him um yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious like why didn't like the money Royals, oh he cost too much yeah he's got about four million dollars left on his contract so there's a risk the jays could just say okay fine take it and so that's why he passed through oh interesting yeah and it's only five starts maybe six so for four million dollars, mm-hmm. that's an expensive way to. And he hasn't been great all year, so yeah, he, he's he's definitely a risk. But like, you should some of these some of these teams are running out. I mean, the Angels' staff ace right now is Ricky Nolasco, so <laughs> I, I, I would have rolled the dice. Who knows? <laughs> Um, we do have, of course, other players to talk about. We have Jose Bautista to talk about, who is hitting for more power, I guess, which is what you want. <laughs> Josh, what, 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 to what do we owe the Bautista um, surge here? I have no idea. <laughs> he just seems to go through these spurts. He always has. Even when he was good, he would have these spurts where he just would hit a home run every game. And he did that before four out of five games. He was hitting home runs. I think it helped some of the pitching he was facing. Mm. They still hit them against some guys who were decent. I think it's just he it was in a little bit of a stretch where he's seeing the ball well because he had those home those four home runs in five games. Then he had six walks in his next three games. And for Bautista, the plate discipline is so important. And uh, I did the preview and I was looking at that. And he has not had, relative to the last few years of his career very much plate discipline at all in the last two months he's been swinging at a lot of balls out of the zone that he has not historically done so it, it and it's remained quite steady so um i don't know you would think that that skill would age well but apparently he's having a bit of a rough time with that so i guess is he is he finally just selling out and taking advantage of what is in the zone i don't know yeah i i think it's more just that he's got to cheat a little bit now because he doesn't have the bat speed that he used to. So he's got to start a bit earlier. So those pitches he'd normally have time to see and lay off, he can't do that as well anymore. Indeed. Um, would, would you like to talk about uh, Nick Marcus Stroman? Because it's certainly a happy story there, it seems. Yeah, he's been, he's been awesome. He's been consistent. And he's kind of eating up innings uh, in a year where the Jays really need somebody to do that. Um, I, I think that's kind of, to me, the most underappreciated element of Stroman's game is that, you know, aside from his, was it his ACL sprain in spring training? Did you? See, yeah, it was ACL, right? Two years ago. Yeah, two yeah. years ago. Aside aside from that, he's been pretty healthy, and you know, I think especially on a team where you know Liriano struggled and and Sanchez has been injured, I think. Aside from his performance actually on the mound, 
Strowman's ability to just take the mound every fifth day has, has been a big help to keep the Jays uh, where they are this year. So why does the Toronto media huff and puff at the most consistent start of the Blue Jays have had? What, what's going on there? Because they write articles about how much of a damaging influence he supposedly is. Meanwhile, he's the only guy taking the ball every fifth day and doing something with it. Well, there's the reason that most people think of first, which you can't dismiss it, right? You can't dismiss His racism and all this. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. <laughs> He's got a Napoleon, Napoleon complex. But uh, no, I I think that just people aren't used to what he's doing. I mean, he, we got a question about this later, but we can just answer it now. This was from uh, Lou Brown 34. How could people not be a fan of Marcus Stroman's attitude on the mound? Arguably the most consistently fun part of the season is watching him. And that's it. Not only has he been out there a long time, he's been really fun to watch. And I think it's just more of a changing of the guard kind of thing. Like these people who are having problems with it are not used to it. They're not used to seeing guys with that much flair on the mound. And it looks wrong to them. Even if to us, it looks entertaining and fun. They certainly spilled a ton of digital ink about it, um, which is funny and sad at the same time. Uh, I want to move on to Rob Ref Snyder who we're already seeing a whole bunch, uh, and Ryan Goins got his arms stepped on tonight, so we might see him even more. Uh, <coughs> what have we learned, Josh, in our in our brief exposure to him, other than the fact that you can have the worst inning of your life uh, <laughs> as you put a Jays uniform on? Worst game. He, was, he not only did he make those two errors, he also had a golden sombrero. <laughs> Someday we should talk about sombreros and how the golden sombrero definition got screwed up to mean four strikeouts. Someday, not today. Not today. But remind me next week when we have extra time why four strikeouts is not a golden sombrero. Uh, but Ref Snyder. Yeah, I think we've learned is he's pretty aside that that game notwithstanding, <laughs> he's pretty good at putting the bat on the ball. He's uh, you know he does a lot of driving the ball the other way and. Even though his numbers are terrible, there's at least some confidence that he has an approach at the plate, even if he's never going to be a good hitter or a good second baseman, really. Have you had a chance to actually watch a game, Nick? I don't know what your schedule has been like in terms of seeing Mr. Rettsider yeah. move around. No, I, I have. Um, I, I was I was kind of like under the the similar impression that Josh had where he, he felt at least from watching, like he was a little bit of a, of a better hitter than, um, than Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney. But I, I just pulled up his, his numbers from last year with the Yankees. And it's almost as if the blue Jays just keep splitting the Ryan Goins Adam and just producing <laughs> more Ryan, more Ryan Goins. <laughs> Which, which I guess is that's the definition of a replacement player, really. Um, but yeah, I, I think when it when it all shakes out, he's gonna look pretty similar to Goins and Barney. He might provide a little bit of his more of his value with the bat than than with the glove than those two. But I think all in all, he's gonna be a pretty comparable player to those two in terms of value added. I have a silly question: How old is he? He is 26. That's it. Wow. So he's younger than the other options. Yep. <laughs> That's a big Up, advantage. Upside galore. Yeah. Um, so I will, we've got a lot of injuries to talk about. So 
I, I alluded to the the Goins injury, but I, really the guy Ref Snyder and Goins and and Barney are all playing around is Devin Travis. So I figured I'll throw that in here. Uh, you had an there is an update, Josh, sort of, kind of on on Devin. Yeah, yeah. Keegan Matheson has been sort of tracking this, watching him before the games. He's moving apparently very well laterally, fielding ground balls. So it looks like he's at least close to going out on a rehab assignment, which if this team has any hope <laughs> trying to make this interesting, which, I mean, they are still somehow within striking distance, even though there's a zillion teams in front of them, he's they're going to need him just because of the Ryan Goins-Adam splitting we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, and, and we know one thing for sure, and that is a healthy Devin Travis is worlds better at the plate and just fine at second base. Um, than any of the other options. So, yeah, you don't want to rush him because he's apparently kind of injury-prone, but wow, it, w- it would be nice to see him out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that injury swap, now we don't know who would... If, if Ryan Goins... I haven't seen the update because I've been manning four other things and not watching Twitter, but have we have we found out whether someone actually uh, stepped on Ryan Goins' arm so badly they broke it? <laughs> <laughs> or not no no update there yet <laughs> okay uh but we do have the return of miguel montero which meant the dfa of uh jp howell and mike olman and there's another move i'm forgetting oh leon came back from the dl right uh, bereavement list but yeah bereavement list so he came back that resulted in the two dl so montero as much as he has not hit well in Toronto, should be an upgrade over anybody who was playing and, and become the everyday catcher. Are, are, are we are we happy or are we still yearning for Russell Martin, Nick? Well, um, definitely we're still yearning for, for Russell Martin. I, he's still one of, I think, the better options in the league, more so than, than just the better option over Montero. But um, I... And Josh, I think you can probably speak to this a little more than me, but I was watching. Uh, what's is what's it, Rafi? What's the Lopez. catcher, Rafi Lopez? Lopez. Yeah, yep. um, he looked like he was doing a pretty good job of just kind of like receiving the ball tonight, and he handled like some tough uh, pitches in the dirt from Stroman and, and then Osuna later on. Um, so I know he's he's not much with the bat, but. It it is nice to have somebody back there who's who's not a butcher either. Um, so that's I guess that's a, a soft way of saying that we we can ease Montero back into action, and, <laughs> and I wouldn't I wouldn't feel terrible about it. Oof, I <laughs> I'm not with you there. Nope. 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 Lopez can catch. He can't hit. None of these guys can hit except Montero. He's and, and given the state of this lineup, I mean, we recently had a game where I think Ryan Goins batted fifth. True enough. You That's need some guys who can hit. And Miguel Montero, despite what we have seen with his time in Toronto as Greg Lujo, he can hit. And he's not – he can't throw anymore. We've seen that. Teams <laughs> run wild on him. But he's not a bad receiver. He's average now. So I'll take the average receiver who can hit over the guy who's a really good receiver who can't hit at all. That's true. I'm on if team only Josh. We could, yeah, if only we could move one of the, the left fielders back behind the plate. Throw Steve Pierce back there or something. Steve Pierce has everything but a place to play. I swear. <laughs> uh, so the J.P. Howell experience is over. 
Uh, I don't think any of us are going to miss J.P. Howell. <laughs> that, no. as much as Joe Smith was a success, J.P. Howell like was the. I've never seen two signings come so close and be so opposite. Unless I'm... he pitched eleven innings <laughs> and gave up eleven homers. <laughs> no, only two homers. But he did give up nine runs. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Seven so, walks too. That did not wow. work out. <laughs> um, we did hear about a signing of uh, Brett Anderson, which you were mentioning pre-podcast could be intriguing. Josh, tell me about Brett Anderson. So here's the thing about Brett Anderson. For his entire career, he's been the guy that, oh, if he stays healthy, he could be great because he's had some seasons where he showed that he can be really, really good pitcher. Last couple of years, he hasn't been that good, but also because he kept getting injured. So here's the thing with this Blue Jays team. Nick Tepish is their fifth starter right now. If you get three good starts out of Brett Anderson and he falls apart again, that's worth it. Because you don't and, have to pay him too much? Yeah, no, he's making the league minimum. If he comes up and he gets rocked, you cut him. But if he comes up and he's Brett Anderson, you just ride him until he blows up. And if you're trying to get back in the race, having that kind of guy for a few depth starts is really a lot more valuable than throwing out, I don't know, Matt Latos or Cesar Valdez or someone like that. I feel as though (laughs) Nick may have felt you were being unkind there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, this is another case where I like completely agree with Josh. Um, the interesting thing about Anderson is he's still just 29, and I think because he's been hurt so much, it feels like he's kind of older. But, um, yeah, he's still only 29. He had a great year in 2015 with the Dodgers. He made 31 starts. His ERA was under 370. Um, he pitched 180 innings. He's He has, like, a, a not-so-long-ago record of, of being a pretty quality major league pitcher. And, yeah, the... The Jays are in dire need of quality major league pitchers. So even if he falls apart or or honestly, even if even if he gets rocked, I think he's worth worth the flyer given the the other options they've been sending out there lately. Um, you know, what's what's the worst that can happen? Yep. Well, let, let's get well, weird. Well, don't ask now. that question. We might find yeah. out. <laughs> let, let's yeah. get weird. Um the other option, as you were saying, is now apparently Joe Biagini, who is toiling away in AAA, stretch, pardon me, stretching out to be a starter, uh, which they've tried before, and then they put him back in the pen and back and forth and everything. I, I'm at the point where I feel kind of bad for Joe because I'm not sure that he's really been set up to be successful. But how far away are we from seeing Joe Biagini major league starter? Five days. That it, it, For sure, for sure, unless he blows up. Well, I wouldn't say for sure, for sure. I think they'll give Tepish another start. But if Tepish is bad, it'll be Biagini who comes up because that's the guy they wanted in this role. You know, he went down and he to build up innings and he went six, was 50 some odd pitches, then 65, and he's going to hit 80 plus in his next time out, and then he'll be ready. The issue last time is he tried to build up his ability to go deep in games and his stamina in the big leagues, and that's really hard to do. A necessity, I guess. Um, do you have confidence, uh, Nick, in, in a Joe Biagini starter? I'm, again, I given given the Jays' kind of like lack of options right now, I think it's definitely a good idea to try it. I, I wanted to ask you, you guys, too, about um, was Biagini pitching from the stretch 
when he when he was starting in the in the majors because I've I heard something on the broadcast tonight. They were talking about how he wasn't he wasn't pitching from the stretch because he was uh, used to the bullpen. Or sorry, wasn't pitching was. from his windup because he was used to pitching in the bullpen. And like, I'm curious if this is going to basically like make him a more effective starter than than he was kind of towards the end of his stay with the Jays earlier this year. I don't think it matters that much. No. It's, no, I mean, it's really all about comfort. You, you know, relievers pitch out of the stretches because they're used to it, but if you get to the point where that's the mechanics you're used to throwing with, it doesn't really necessarily make sense to go back to the full windup. So okay. I, I wouldn't really consider that as a factor one way or the other. Guys like you, Darvish, essentially pitch out of the stretch the entire time sometimes. So, Right. Okay. So, of course, the hole that's being filled is because partially uh, that Aaron Sanchez has been unable to keep his finger together in one piece all season long, but he also is on the road to recovery. Uh, I'm sorry, do we have a timeline for him? He's only about to get, he's only just getting on a mound now or, or very soon. So it's not, this is the issue with him. It's like, he's not ready yet and he's not ready to start a rehab assignment yet. And so because of that, they're saying that he's likely going to have to come back in the bullpen just because this minor league season is going to end before he has a time to build his innings back up. So uh, how excited are we about Aaron Sanchez, eighth inning guy? Now, on, on the bright side, his fingernail might not explode as easily if he's only throwing one inning at a time. Just a thought. Yeah. Nick? Any quality innings are, are good quality innings, I think, for for this Jays team, uh, especially if they do keep kind of hanging around this this wild card race. Obviously, it's ideal to have Sanchez in the rotation, but at this point in time, if if he could come back and, and contribute as an eighth inning guy, um, yeah, it'd be silly to say no. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, how overworked this bullpen has been. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but they're, they're way up there in innings. Brian DePere is seventh in the league now. So having another guy who can push everyone down the depth chart just a little bit, I think could be huge as this team tries to finish out this slate of the season. I'll be honest. Whenever I see Tapera, Barnes, or Osuna called in, I expect them to have their cart, uh, their arm in a little cart beside them on wheels and <laughs> carefully wheel it out to the mound and then attach it so they only have yeah. to use it for the minimum amount of time. Yeah. It's like, yeah. my God, every night. It's like, you remember every day Eddie Guadardo? <laughs> It's oh like, yeah, everyday Ryan Tapera um, doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. But I feel bad for him, man. It's gotta it's gotta take its toll. Have I covered all yeah. of the, the shuffling and changes and we, back and well, forth? I think so. I think I got there. That means it's time for questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? And I got to say that last week, I think people wore themselves out. We had like a billion questions, and this week, it, it was not a billion, and we put the request out way earlier. Yeah, and we also already answered once. We only have three left. <laughs> <laughs> um, all righty. Do, 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 do. If... Uh, if you were commish, this is from Minor Leaguer. Uh, what would you keep or abolish trade waivers? Well, th there's a weird question for you, uh, Nick. 
Yeah, I I like activity. Um, I think it you know it makes following and and being a fan interesting. Um, and and so for me, the idea of moving the the non waiver trade deadline uh, back back in time to I don't know the end of August or something like that uh, doesn't really bother me. And and abolishing the the waivers, uh, especially like this year is a great example with with all these teams kind of bunched in in the middle of the standings, uh, technically in the wild card race. Uh, yeah, I think it it would be great to just give more time to to have things shake out and and see things happen. So yeah, my my vote as commission would be to to get rid of the waivers. I, I... I'm voting no. <laughs> You're gonna keep them. Yeah. What's the historical I like, context? I, I for, like force for Sorry, needing what? them. What's the historical context for them even being there? This is the part that confuses me. Well, I think the idea of just putting in a deadline to force teams to make moves, because teams will not move until they have to. It's, we've seen that. Wow. It's like, oh, it's July thirty first. Oh, we better go get the guy. Like you, Darvish was traded with two minutes to the deadline. Like, why? But my view then would be screw this whole month of. This month in between where you have the non-waiver trade deadline but the guys are still eligible for the playoff roster is just weird. August 15th, nobody is eligible for playoff. Anybody traded after August 15th is not eligible for playoff roster. And Oh, I can get behind that. And September 1st, rosters expand still in order to soften the load of whoever you've got up there. Yeah, okay. So, yes, I would get rid of waivers and replace it with an even crueler system. (laughs) 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 Um... At Ballher, baseball her asked uh, sorry, at baseball her, which is ball her, what would you do with Estrada? Uh okay, Josh, your answer is 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 hug him and congratulate him. Uh <laughs> Nick, what would you do with Estrada? Yeah, I I would I would keep him. I would I would have hoped that the Jays were just kind of dangling him to see if they could get anything really tasty for him and, and fail which they probably weren't going to get. Um and given that, I, I think the, the the highest upside move to move is to keep him, given where the Jays are in the standings, um, and assuming that the three to four million dollars that he's still owed is not a huge deal for the Jays to eat. Um, yeah, my my thought would be to try to just keep him and uh, sign him forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to give you yeah. a chance to answer that, but obviously you you got your answer. Just mm-hmm. lifetime contract. Yeah. Uh, the Tim Wakefield deal. <laughs> uh Isaac at IB Blue Jays are those actually okay there's there's two questions connected here do these major leaguers really let their straightest pitch get away from them as often as they seem to and uh, of course Josh he would like to hear you the pitcher talk about how likely it is that an errant fastball inside is intentional I assume he means intentional to hit someone yeah or, or he could just be in, in fastball inside, like way up and in. Is that really an error, or is the guy trying to throw it there? Even if it doesn't hit the guy. It happens a lot more as a mistake than you think. You know, pitchers physically train their bodies to work in a specific box of the zone. And, and if, you're trying to, if you're working down, 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 and you try to go up and in on a pitch, it's a different mechanic. And so every now and then, you'll just release the ball a little too early or a little bit too too high and the ball will sail up and in you know to the arm side if you're throwing it way up and in and hitting guys on the opposite side of the box though that's really hard to do by accident i feel like pitchers 
tell people that they can throw the ball to within six inches of where they want to, and that's what they believe. But I don't think those six inches are any kind of realistic average measurement of where a pitch actually ends up from where they want it to. No, I think that it's for major leaguers, they miss their spit, their spot on average by like 10 inches or something like that. It's, it's really not that close to hitting a spot, but just this, these huge margins you're dealing with, right? So arm side, you're going to hit guys by accident or go, come up and in by accident, but glove side, it's hard to miss that much. So I should only get offended if a lefty uh, comes up and in on me. Yeah, and he, if he comes up and in and dings you, it's probably on purpose. He's at least trying to come way up and in. Sorry, does Nick bat left or right? <laughs> no, right. <laughs> uh, so that, the the Aaron Loop syndrome is the arm side miss where he keeps hitting left or right left handed batters. Yeah. Four guys. <laughs> uh, he's done less of that this year. I admit, I, I stand corrected. Um, all right. Connor Moore at the Seahound asks, who finishes their career with more wins for the Blue Jays, Sanchez or Stroman? Nick, there's a tough one. It It is a tough one because I'm, I'm pretty convinced that I think uh, Marcus Stroman is going to have some fairly significant year-to-year fluctuations in terms of like his ERA and, and kind of like his overall performance. But I think that's just based on kind of like his strikeout rate and his and his ground ball rate. I mean, I don't know what a, a Marcus Stroman ERA is going to look like if you've got a you know a thirty seven year old Tulo at shortstop, for instance. Um, so I think he's going to be the less consistent pitcher than Sanchez. But the rub is that Sanchez, one, he's obviously got these blister issues he's dealing with that could be a problem moving forward. I know guys like Rich Hill have dealt with them on more than like a one-year basis. And the other thing is, given how hard Sanchez throws, um, he might be more susceptible to like a major arm injury. So weighing it so all... you're picking I, Stroman. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to go with Stroman, just by virtue of his ability to take the ball. Josh? I'm going the other way. Sanchez is the younger guy. And I think that this will be behind him. I just think that that upside is so high that he's going to have a lot of seasons where he wins 17, 18, 19 games. Last year, he had 15. Stroman's never won more than 10, which is what he has right now. So, But it still wins, and it's a dumb stat, and it's impossible yeah. to predict. Which is why I'm going to sort of dodge the question. The, the question as far as who's going to have the most wins, I would probably say Estrada. Who's going to throw the most innings for this team? Um, Stroman. Yeah, Stroman. Stroman's going to throw more innings. Just because the predictor of injury, the best predictor, is injury. Um, and the guy who's had a whole lot of injuries that all relate to pitching specific things is Sanchez right now. Now, that could change, but my crystal ball only sees what's happened so far, and I, I can't really see into the future. Uh, one more question popped in just to mess with us. We appreciate the real-timeness. Uh, Sam Dowdle at Sam Dowdle asks... Uh, the Blue Jays have demonstrably better results this season when playing a second-string defensive lineup. Discuss, Josh. I, I argue with the premise. <laughs> I, I don't think that adding in Ryan Goins at shortstop or Rob Refsnyder at second or Ezekiel Carrera in the outfield is better defensively. I think it's worse. 
I think it's just the fluky nature of baseball that that's the way it's worked out. I mean, the Jays have a better record without Josh Donaldson than they do with him. It's just a fluke. Nick? Yeah, well, it, it's some of it the fact that the, the Jays kind of like better defensive players haven't been playing like the, the best defensive players anyway this season. So maybe like they're losing the value they gain from from those first string defenders, uh, so to speak. Like Pilar is having a worse year defensively, and um, obviously Tulo was before he got hurt. Um, I don't know. Don't it's got something to do with that. To say. <laughs> hmm? Oh, oh, I'm saying, I'm saying their first string defenders aren't adding much value because they're str- they're struggling to play defense this year, and uh, so the second string defenders aren't actually as much of a downgrade as they would have been in the past. I am. I'm going to say correlation is not causation. I'm going to, much like you, Josh. <laughs> I don't know that you could prove that the two were really connected. I.e., I didn't buy the argument that when Bautista was hurt and the, the, the Jays played better last year, it had anything to do with anything whatsoever. Uh... Oh, for sure. I, I, I guess what I'm, I'm saying is, you know, if the Jays can produce so much value on the field, it might be that the second string defenders are hitting are enough better hitters enough that it's compensating for the fact that the the first string defenders are having a worse year so they're not adding that value oh yeah that no, I, I follow you i just i don't think the impact is great enough that any of it necessarily means anything but there may be some impact there uh yeah. we'll but, leave that i think We'll go to now. Normally, yes. at this point, we hand out a bunch of do-overs and we get all down on people. But no, no gold stars. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Yes, indeed, we have earned a gold star. Who has earned the first gold star? I think Ryan Goins should earn the first gold star uh, because after Sunday's game. We noticed something, Nick, about uh, about the look on the field. Everyone observed. What what was a little different about Sunday's game? <laughs> uh, there was a lot less uh, a red, I think, than after yeah. most Sunday games. Yeah, yeah. There was no blood on the uniforms after. Which is because <laughs> Aaron um, Sanchez wasn't pitching. Oh, but also no Canada Day ridiculous jersey, which uh, I totally don't understand why they thought every Sunday would be good to put the Blue Jays in red and white uniforms um, apparently after getting just blasted by a dozen runs or so on a couple of occasions uh, they let the players pick and the players picked home whites and then Ryan Goins came after the game and suggested uh, a couple of things he suggested that they they be burned I think was one of them <laughs> Um, yeah, the quote was, we should probably shred them, burn them, I don't know, give them away to charity or something. <laughs> I think he thought he, I think he started with, oh, I hate them, burn them, shred them, and he thought, well, that's that's not nice, maybe we could we could somehow recover something for someone here, and he threw in the charity thing, but I think he'd rather just go all Chris Sale on him. Um, yep. I, I don't like, like, okay, there is a clear, in my mind, and I don't even like it, but there is a clear third jersey for this team josh what is the clear third jersey for sundays the gray one no <laughs> no powder blue yes nick has it oh i thought you meant among the ones they've had that's a fourth jersey then but really <laughs> no but the rotation should be home. road grays at home you're right right so home whites blue tops either home or road and freaking powder blues like 
it's not rocket science. You went retro with the whole uniform look. Just bring back the powder blues if you want to do something. But <clears throat> the marketing department has not crossed that bridge yet. I will hand hey, out. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, regardless of um, regardless of the red jerseys, I, I think this is a good omen because the last time I remember a Blue Jays team doing this was the year they won the World Series when they got rid of the uh, white panel on the front of the hats in in uh, 90... Was that 92 or 93? That was 93. Yeah, 93. They they stopped wearing the, the white panel hat, and um, I think the team like went on a big run, and they never went back. Um, so I'm taking this getting rid of the red jerseys as a, as a good omen for non-aesthetic reasons, too. Alrighty. Okay. And you have a, a different gold star, Josh, from a different team, but still worthy of of accolades. Yeah. So we've talked before about Angel Hernandez, probably more than once on this podcast, for being well, pretty much terrible. Turns out there's a player in the major leagues who openly agrees. <laughs> That's dangerous. <laughs> it is dangerous. Ian Kinsler's probably going to get fined for this one. <laughs> So, he said, and I quote, I'm surprised at how bad an umpire he is. I don't know how, for as many years he's been in the league, that he can be that bad. He needs to reevaluate his career choice. He really does. Bottom line. And he continued. (laughs) (laughs) This has to do with changing the game. He's changing the game. He needs to find another job. He really does. I'm not mad at him. He just needs to go away. (laughs) One day, Ian will open up and tell us how he really feels. (laughs) Oh, he continued. But when it becomes blatant like this, there's a problem. What is he doing on the field? What's he doing out there? It's pretty obvious he needs to stop ruining baseball games. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, there's, there's a fine there. <laughs> Spinning fire. Um, I think most fans, I, would you not say, Nick, think at least one or two umpires are worthy of exactly that That chewing a new one (laughs) oh absolutely and if i was if i was a major league player making you know however many millions of dollars a year i would just earmark a certain portion of my salary to fines i'd be like i'm gonna speak my mind because these quotes are amazing and yeah ian kinsler is awesome for saying this i would yeah i would just be like i'm gonna i'm gonna spend $800,000 $800,000 of my $15 million salary this year on going <laughs> off on on crazy umpires and things like that. But by, by the way, he said, if I get fined for saying the truth, then so be it. He's messing with baseball games blatantly. <sighs> Love it. So Ian Kinsler's line, and or, sorry, Nick's line is, is, I'm just here so I can get fined. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah a big old gold star Ian uh, it's not that far from uh, from Detroit to Toronto so you can swing by and pick one up at uh, Josh's house if you can find it oh uh, goodness <laughs> so I think <clears throat> the Jays who are 5-3 and three in the last week and they really do need to be 8-0 and oh at this point to inspire our confidence but hey 5-3 and three, we'll take it uh podcast is a little later than usual um i think the five and three jays are, are what we're going to uh, rest on here unless of course you josh have a final thought i do it's kind of a goofy thing from today's game so in the eighth inning no sorry the seventh inning 
the Jays had first and second. Uh, they were pitching. They had runners on first and second. Loop came in and he walked Souza on. And then right after Stroman had just walked, uh, I can't remember who it was, Miller or something like that. And on pitches that were really, really close. So when Gibbons went out <laughs> to make the pitching change, he started jawing and he got ejected from the game. And then he just kept walking and made the pitching change anyway. I love it. He's not even supposed to be allowed to do that. I mean, technically, they could have said there was no pitching change because that guy's not allowed to do it. But it was great. Great moment. <laughs> he did have the courtesy to come back and discuss with the umpire after the pitching change <laughs> why he got thrown out. I think it would have been yeah. better just to walk right back into the dugout and walk right out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> just go back, make the pitching change, just keep walking, go out into the bullpen yourself. Yeah. God, I'm, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah, I'm going for a beer. Oh, he has a lot of early beers. Uh, do you have a final thought, Nick? <laughs> um, we were talking about it a little bit off air, but uh, it's been another great week in the Joey Gifbato shenanigans series. Um I just hope he plays forever. I just hope he plays forever. It's I, I find him infinitely entertaining. So th- this week's, which is was my uh, final note, was if you get a chance to see Joey Votto uh, putting a foul ball into the stands, <laughs> uh, it's probably worth it. Uh, I mean, he's been known to chat with people and 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 go back and forth with hecklers and everything else. He must have just had it and gotten tired of flipping a ball into the first row because he picks up a, a dribbler up the first baseline and he launches it onto the roof of Wrigley Field. Uh, I I don't know what possessed him, but it's the weirdest thing I've seen anybody do in a while. Uh, so, That's great. Yes, and then later on, I would like to point out, in the same game, they played four outfielders against him. What did Joey Votto do, as they say? He hit a double. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I just have to quickly jump in on that. That was the dumbest four outfielder position I've ever seen. How do you throw four outfielders in there and not have anyone within spitting distance of the foul line to the pull side? <laughs> That's our final thought. If you're, if you're did, did you hear his quote when they asked him about how he approached a hitting with four outfielders? No. It was it was hilarious. Um, it, it was something along the line of, when they go to four outfielders, I think about hitting it over all of them and into the stands. It's something I consider doing. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little mad stairs in him. And also, yeah. just a quick update, Goins not broken, says he's fine. His arm just went numb when he was stepped on, but it's just he's okay now, just a gas on the, gash on the forearm. Oh, what a relief for our runners in scoring position numbers. <sighs> <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you for joining in uh, with us to episode number 70 of the Joey Votto Show. Uh, I have been your host, Greg Wisniewski, uh, at Coolhead2010, and uh, you have been Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka and Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. Uh, check and we've out... all been Ryan Goins at... Ryan Goins. <laughs> no, wait, he has it anyway. <laughs> check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash turfpod if you think we're worth oh I don't know a dollar a month or something like that uh, and uh, we appreciate you joining us and we will talk at you next week mm-hmm.